Good morning, everybody. So glad you're with us today. I uh, got a bunch of stories <laughs> that I'm going to share with you today. Some, some of these are great. This one was fun. During the 1850s, a young boy was sent home from school carrying a note for his mother. He'd been kind of kicked out and was given instructions to take this note home and to put it into the hands of his mother. And so when he arrived, the mother opened up the note and read the following, Your child is dumb. We can't do anything for him here. That's what the note said, from the teacher, right? <laughs> and and uh, the mother quickly grabbed a pen and wrote back, My boy is very intelligent. You simply don't understand him. And if you can't teach an intelligent, inquisitive uh, uh, yeah, inquisitive young boy like him, then I will, she said. And she did. She uh, pulled him out of that school. She started uh, teaching him and, and uh, giving him all kinds of experience, t- training him with, with how to think and how to learn and all, all this kind of stuff. And uh, in fact, this young man grew up to be, you guys know the story? No, it's not Einstein. Thomas Edison. Fascinating, right? Thomas Edison, the, uh, the, the inventor of the electric light, the phonograph or the record player, uh, the electric generator, storage batteries, and on and on and on. I, I just was thinking about that and thinking about the influence and the legacy of a mom, right? It's, it's huge. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's enormous. It has the power to change the course of young lives. Uh, listen to some of these quotes. These, these were great. Uh, some of the quotes that talk about this kind of stuff. Men are what their mothers made them. <laughs> Ralph Waldo Emerson. I thought that was great. Keep going. Go through these here real quick. No man is poor who has a godly mother. Abraham Lincoln. I thought this was great. An ounce of mother is worth a ton of priest. I'm like, I like that one. An ounce of mother is worth a ton of priest. And it says, give me a generation of Christian mothers, and I will undertake to change the whole face of society in 12 months. Uh, It's a Lord dude from England, but quoted, quoted by Billy Graham, quoted by a bunch of other people. Yeah, I know that's fancy, fancy language there. But one more story. I thought this was great. It said this. A little boy uh, forgot his lines uh, in the Sunday school production that they were doing, and his mother was in the front row mouthing the words to try and cue him. Right? He had, but he had nothing. He was like, beep. Right? I mean, there was, he had no idea what his line was, what he was supposed to, supposed to say. So finally, she kind of whispered in his direction and said, your, you know, your line is, I am the light of the world. And the boy suddenly, with newfound confidence, steps up, beaming, and says loudly and clearly, my mother is the light of the world. <laughs> a little overstated, perhaps, <laughs> right? But to some degree, it's true, right? Our mothers, as well as our fathers and other significant individuals in our lives, have unbelievable impact in our lives, sometimes for good, and sometimes we carry scars around with us as well, don't we? But they provide our foundational pictures of love and relationships. They help form our critical self-esteem and our sense of importance in our lives. The foundations of our character often come back to the home and the way we view God, the way we sort of understand truth and love and faith and character and servanthood and intimacy, joy, forgiveness. All those things often get passed down to us from our mothers and our fathers. These pictures get embedded in our hearts and minds and bring transformation to us. Well, today, obviously, is Mother's Day, and uh, 
Some of you dads might have like a panicked look right now. <laughs> like <gasps> Mother's Day, there's even even a kid came in earlier and said, <gasps> "It's Mother's Day." <laughs> like I, I totally forgot. <laughs> like that kind of a thing. So no worries. There's plenty of time. You might want to take a detour on the way home and think of something good. But anyway, <laughs> today is Mother's Day, and I thought it would be only appropriate to kind of look and to talk about legacy sort of issues. The legacy of a godly mother is what kind of I'm talking uh, about today. And yet, I, I'll, I'll just say this as well for those of us that aren't mothers. Uh, no worries, right? These are principles for dads too. They're principles for students, for anybody, man, man, woman, boy, girl, whatever, friends, anybody who is longing to carry out God's command to go and make disciples. These are principles that apply, right? These are principles that, that can be applied to any of our lives. If you're involved on passing on your faith from one person to another, if you are sharing with others about what Jesus has done in your life, then th- and I hope you are, right? I hope you are. Then this applies to you as well. I'm going to start out today and just uh, kind of go back and do, do a few th- thanks kinds of things, but I just want to say for those of you that are, are mothers, uh, we are so thankful to God for you. We really are. We're thankful for the sacrifices that you make every day, for the ways that you serve, for the ways that you love, for the ways, right? I mean, you don't sleep for the ways you're always feeding people, for the ways you're, you know, whatever, pouring into young lives. Uh, we say thank you. For those of you uh, that <clears throat> that are maybe uh, adopted mothers, maybe you don't have kids of your own, maybe your kids are grown and gone, maybe who knows what, but, but you uh, still sort of take on that motherly role and you shepherd and you love on and you mentor and you pour into those around you, young, young men and young women around you, can we say thank you to you as well? Again, your impact is significant. I, I, I think of that in, in my own story. I had some people throughout the years that have sort of been like adoptive moms and adoptive dads to me. In fact, I, I think all the way back to college, and I can remember uh, moments, uh, there was actually one couple that I referred to as my spiritual mom and dad for a season, right? They, they would spend hours and hours with me, and they would pour love into me, and they would kind of give me images of, of what it looked like to have a, a, a God-honoring home, of what it looked like to follow Jesus in your marriage and in your family and in your whatever, and uh, I can remember even one night being over at their house and, uh, and the woman was talking and talking about the ways that she prays for her kids. And I ended up saying, like, I was a little jealous. I'm like, man, I, I, I've never seen that before. And I'm like, I'm a little jealous the way that you just pray for your kids. And she ended up saying, you know what, Russ? She said, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you every day like I pray for one of my kids. Had significant impact on my life, and I think continues to have significant impact. You never know. So, for those of you that sort of uh, have stepped into that role in one way or another, we thank you. We honor you today. It's a great day, and so, uh, uh, so yeah. Thanks for that. I know that it can be a, a bit of a sensitive day. We were talking about this in praying. Uh, for some of us, it triggers stuff. For some of us, it, it's a painful day. And uh, I want you to know, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, and, and I feel with you, my, my honoring uh, moms is in no way uh, taking away from pain and other things that, that might trigger for you. But God is here, he is faithful, and he has good stuff in store for you. We've always said um, from the very beginning, we, we grew up in uh, non-Christian homes when we uh, were doing, we didn't see that great a picture of, of marriages and, and family and parenting and some of that kind of stuff. There's some things we saw really well, but some things that were, were rough. And we've always said, man, this has been kind of our prayer of like, God, I want, we want to be the generation that passes on blessing. <laughs> we won't, we'll get plenty of things wrong, but we want our kids to know that they're loved and we want to pass on Jesus to the, to the next generation and, and do that in us. And so even 
even if brokenness peppers your past. I wonder if maybe this morning that could, this this is kind of the, the, the foundational thing that God's saying of like, let, let's have you be the generation that, that passes on blessing, that passes on that godly legacy to the next generation, whether that's, whether you're in a situation to do that now, or maybe that's years down the road, maybe that's in an adoptive sort of way, who knows? But today, again, just want to want to kind of come back to this whole idea of the legacy of a godly mom. And I'm just going to kind of talk about three different things from scripture that I think sort of define this legacy or, or, or sort of earmarks or characteristics of the legacy of a godly mom, the, the legacy of a godly dad, the, the legacy of really Christ followers, the kind that we want anyway. And the first thing I'm just going to kind of walk through, the first thing that I want to talk about is that legacy involves passing on the faith and passing God's word on to kids, to the next generation, to those around us, that kind of thing. And this is probably the most important part of the legacy that I want to talk about today, because I think far too often it gets the least attention. Um, and, and, and so, and I don't think it's on purpose, but so many of us lead lives that are screaming busy, isn't it? I mean, we're just going and going and going. It's one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And we're so busy just changing diapers and so, so busy disciplining, correcting, you know, no, don't stick your hand into the fire, you know, or like, I mean, we're so busy doing the day-to-day -day practical things, important, how to do makeup, how to take care of things, how to do chores, how to not, you know, all this kind of, we're so busy with the practical things, so often the spiritual legacy, the spiritual passing on our faith and passing on God's word to the next generation kind of takes a back seat. I don't think it's on purpose. Many of us haven't, haven't ever seen this before. And so we're like, I, it's great. I just don't know how to do it. And I'm not really comfortable with it. So we kind of default to just skipping over it. And, uh, and yet when, when we kind of come back to what God says to families, what God says to, to moms and to dads, and, uh, and even as Christ followers to others, other, other people around us, there's this whole idea of passing on the faith, of pointing people to Jesus, of pointing people back to God's word. Listen to this. This is the kind of the quintessential passage that talks about this Deuteronomy. It's Old Testament. Uh, and it's, yeah, this is God speaking. He says this, these commandments, these, these, uh, he's talking about his word. These commandments that I have given you today are to be upon your hearts. Listen to this. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. It's sort of like pushing a uh, cookie dough into a mold or something. Impress them on your children, he says. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Again, this is, uh, they're giving us illustrations, but what's the point? Talk about them how often? All the time. Talk about it all the time when you lie down, when you get up, and everywhere in between. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. There's some imagery there, but I'm not going to get into it. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. I mean, a couple things that's a, a, about these verses that I'm just going to kind of point out. First of all, if I have a pen and I'm in my Bible, I would circle the word you and your all the way through that entire passage, right? I would, I would circle that thing because these commandments that I give you, he says, right, you are to impress upon your children. You are to pass along. You are to talk about them. You are to... You see what I'm saying? Over and over, there's this sense of responsibility that he's giving to us to pass along our faith, to pass along God's word to others. You know where the buck stops? Say the word. You. you. And when we're talking about it in this sense, what does that mean? Me, right? The buck stops with me. He's saying, you moms, you dads, you Christ followers, you 
pass on what you have learned. The things that I have given to you, pass on to the next generation. Don't let them lose sight of this. And especially, uh, again, back in this day, especially in this little tiny country with a little tiny pool of people uh, where, where uh, the Jewish people lived, right? They understood that if, we don't, if we're not careful and we don't pass this on to the next generation, it'll be wiped out in one generation, right? It'll be gone. They understood the significance of passing on the faith to the next generation. That responsibility rests on us. And I think the role of, of mom and, da- and dad in the family is probably the best, most effective disciple-making program on the planet, right? God designed it this way and said, man, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring life change to you. I'm going to fill you with my love. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you, and then I want to use you in my power to pass on that love and to pass on my word and to pass on the faith to the next generation. And I'm going to put these little people in your care so they can see you and watch you, which is a little frightening, but right, and uh, all this kind of stuff, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so they can see the real thing alive in you. That's God's plan, always has been, right, for us to be able to pass it on to our kids what they need to see is they just need to, they don't need to see the perfect example of what it looks like to live as a Christ follower. And for that, can we say amen? <laughs> because how many of us grew up in the parenting role? If you're a parent and your hand isn't up, you're lying, right? I mean, like, it's, that's, that's the way it is. All of us do, right? This is a, it's an overwhelming task. It is a, it is a, a thing that we're like, on my own? Yeah, I'm kind of, I mean, I can remember still when uh, Tina and I had Lizzie, she's our firstborn, and we, we uh, put her in the, like, we, we, we're done at the hospital, and they kind of wheel us down to the car, and they, I mean, they kind of help us get Lizzie locked into her car seat, and Tina and I look at each other like, you mean you're sending her home with us? Like, I can't, we're so unqualified. You have no idea. We don't know what we're doing, right? This whole thing. And you go home and you're like, ah, every day is a new adventure. It, we're experimenting. We've always joked and, and, and <laughs> joked with her and said, you know, we're sorry. Like, for all the ways that we, we're sorry. You know, the first year counseling's on us, right? That kind of, it's, it's our bad. I'm sorry. We, we're doing the best we can. It's an overwhelming task. And yet, and yet, it's God's plan, right? It's God's design. Probably partially it makes us dependent on him, but it's, it's, it's his plan to pass on our, our version of imperfect faith, but to point people back to Jesus. Let them see the real thing because the, the treasure is within, because the treasure is not our sufficiency, but his, right? The treasure is not that we're good enough and we're these super parents. It's that Christ is enough. Even in our weakness, his strength is made perfect, right? His, his glory and his power is seen. Our job is to just pass on that imperfect faith, right? But to, to just keep pointing our kids back to Jesus again and again and again. And when we do, cool things happen. Our kids catch it when they see the real thing. Listen to this, Proverbs. There's a couple more passages, right? And this is not a, a blanket promise for all times. This is a, the Proverbs are it's wisdom on how life typically tends to work. That doesn't mean nothing will ever happen outside of the bounds, but it's saying train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart far from it, right? It's saying when you impress your, you know, God's word in kids, when you help point them to Jesus, when they see the real deal in you, they will not depart far from it. It helps, it's, it's foundational. They get the Jesus stamp in their life. 
and they want it more. Second Timothy 1.5, I just think this is a cool kind of I- imagery of this. But uh, this is Paul writing to, to Timothy, this young man that's a, a Christ follower. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and, and then lived in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. But do you see that, that kind of passing down? He's like, I've seen the real thing. I saw it in your grandmother. And then I saw as she passed on her faith, I saw it in your mother. And now they've passed on the faith to you. And I see the real deal. I see Jesus in you is what he's saying. It's the way it's always meant to be. Passing along our faith, passing along God's word to our kids. Can I just focus in on that, on that second part? Passing on, teaching the word of God, modeling uh, for our kids a passionate life lived out for Jesus with our, our heads, our hearts, and our hands. But let me just talk about this, the significance of passing on the word of God. I think this is huge and something, again, many of us aren't super comfortable with. <laughs> We're kind of like, I don't really feel like I'm qualified to, to, to pass this on. I don't really feel like whatever. But man, I'm telling you, this is significant. This is, this is a huge part of the instruction from Deuteronomy, right, where God says, here's what I want you to do. First of all, I want, I'm, I'm giving my word to you. I'm giving these instructions to you. So you take it, you embrace it, you live it out, and then I want you to talk about it. I want you to, to pass it on. All the, right, talk about it all the time, we said, right? When you, when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you leave, when you're home, everywhere. Talk about it. And then he's, and he gets some imagery and says, I want you to tie them and you know, put it on your foreheads. And on, I mean, put, put it all over. It's got some Jewish sort of meaning to it. But again, the, the point is, let it be everywhere. Let my word be everywhere. And he says, put it on your doorposts, right? Put it, put it everywhere just as a reminder of, the, my, of my words to you. This is something, I, I think it's fun, but something that I think Tina, my wife, does really well, so I'm going to brag on her for a little bit. She loves to be pointed out, so <laughs> this is like a dream come true for her. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> She's like a, but anyway, but she does this really well. We've got whiteboards and, and black chalkboard kind of things around the house, and she'll often take, uh, take verses, and she'll just write verses about maybe seasons that we're in or things that we're experiencing or going through as a family, and she'll just put the Word of God. It'll be a reminder. We'll walk into the kitchen, and there'll be verses written there. That's so, I love that. It, first of all, it's inspiring. It kind of helps all of us be reminded of, oh yeah, God is present. He's powerful. He, he cares about and knows what's happening in our lives, and he's speaking, right? So be listening kind of stuff. It's powerful. It's a great reminder, and it's something that we've kind of uh, incorporated into our home. There's been seasons where we've, we've written Bible verses on bathroom mirrors or whatever, just as a reminder. So you get up in the morning, and boom, there it is, or, or we've written them on uh, post, or not post but uh, cards, note cards, note cards and giving to kids or whatever, but just sort of that, that keeping God's word and passing it on and keeping it before us. Do we do it perfectly? Nope. Do we do anything perfectly? Nope, <laughs> right? But it's a way that we can kind of, in small ways, sort of be passing the word on and keeping the word central in our home. I love that. I think there's something powerful about that. It kind of reminds us, it keeps us grounded. But you and I, friends, whether you're a mom or dad or not, but you and I, we're always teaching those around us. We're always teaching our friends, our coworkers, our children, our spouses. We're teaching them about God, about what it looks like to be a Christ follower. We're modeling and teaching for those around us all the time. Sometimes in good ways, sometimes not so much. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But it leaks to those around us. They're always watching what we're hoping that they see and what, what the long-term trajectory we want them to see is we want them to see Jesus in us. 
We want them to see us in light of the gospel, and I'm going to talk about this later, so I'll try not to go too far into this, but we want them to see us as imperfect vessels, right? As people that are broken, that are dependent, that are a mess, and yet see God's grace and his strength and his power. See that resurrection life bubbling up in us so that over time you look back and you're like, man, I see a lot of Jesus in you. That's what, that's what we're hoping. That's what we're praying. That's, what we're, that's why we're walking with Christ. As we're walking with him, as we're, as we're filled with his spirit, that's what, we'll, that's what we'll see more and more, like we talked about last week, because God will bear fruit in you. That's what he does. Oh, boy, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm talking too much already. Uh, I do like the, the, those verses we just looked at, though, as well, because as we walk that out imperfectly, but as we try and pass on God's word, as we try and pass on the faith to those around us, they will not depart far from it, right? There's impact. There's life change. There's the good stuff. I remember hearing this, this dude, he was sort of a skeptic, I don't know if he's an atheist, but something like that, but he used to go around to college campuses and do these things to try and basically rip down people's faith in God. His name was Robert Ingersoll. And uh, he, there was one day he got done with a lecture, and there was two college students that were walking out of there together. And the one guy said, well, I guess he basically knocked, knocked the props out from under Christianity, didn't he? I don't know how any rational, reasonable, thinking kind of person could still believe in this hocus pocus. And the other college student, this is his answer, he said, well, no, I don't think he did. I was like, what? And, and, and he goes on to say this. He said, Ingersoll did not explain away my mother's life. And until he can explain away my mother's life, I will stand by my mother's God. I'll tell you, it's hard to argue with a life well lived for Jesus, right? And that's what moms do. That's, a, that's the legacy of a godly mom. It brings a foundation that's almost unshakable, right? That's a foundation that's built on the word of God that has its hope in the person, right? The, the living Jesus. It's powerful. Let's go on. Second thing. I think the legacy of a godly mom is they model unconditional love. They create an environment of unconditional love in our lives. I think next to pointing our kids back to God, one of the most foundational things that we can do is to, to teach those around us that God loves them in a way that is jaw-dropping, in a way that this world knows nothing about, right? Because we grow up in a conditional system of love, don't we? That's what, that's what the world has to offer. If you do this, then I'll love you, right? It's, it's some of what Britt was talking about earlier, right? If you perform this way, if you look a certain way, then I'll love you. If you do this for me, then I'll love you. We grow up in a conditional system that's sort of a quid pro quo. If you do this, then I'll do this, right? If you do this, then I'll like you. If you do this, then you'll be acceptable. If you do this, then you'll be enough. It's a works-based system. And can I just say, God knows nothing of that. His love for you and his love for me is unconditional. The Bible tells us that he loved us and he sacrificed himself for us. That's how much he loved us when we were yet sinners. When we were pushing him away, headed in the opposite direction, he loved you enough then to die for you. That's how much he loves you. It's unconditional. It's, it's irrespective of our actions, right? We can spit in his face. In fact, all of us have, maybe not physically, but in one way or another, and he loves us still. He pursues us still. He's drawing us back still. 
That's how much God is crazy about you. That's how much he cares for you. And his design, again, for the home is that first and foremost, that he would pour out that love on you, moms, and on you, dads, and on you, Christ followers, brothers and sisters and friends, and on and on, that, he, that we would be so transformed by that love, a God that loves us like that, that we'd be so transformed, so filled with his love that it would spill out and impact those around us. And I'm telling you, when those around us start experiencing God's unconditional love. Now, again, do we do this perfectly? No, right? But if, if this is what our kids are experiencing, even a little bit at a time, more and more and more, they start to see, they start to get a hold of this, this will change your life. Suddenly, going from a, a core that is like, I don't know if I'm good enough, I don't know if I'm smart, I don't know if I'm whatever, to a core that says, man, I am loved by God no matter what. I'm loved by my family. That is, again, just brings tremendous stability and strength and just a confidence in who we are and whose we are that nothing else in this world can do. That is the legacy of a godly mom. And of course, we see this stuff throughout the scriptures all over the place. Let me just hit a few of these. Titus is one of these places that's actually talking to older women who are taking younger women under their arms and mentoring and, and modeling and sort of mothering uh, other, other moms uh, around them. And this, this, these are the instructions to them. It says, then uh, they... The, these older women that are, again, adopted moms can urge the younger women to love their husbands and to love their kids, right? To love them with God's love that is unconditional, that's jaw-dropping, that kind of stuff. First Peter 4, 8, again, this is uh, just words to all of us as Christ followers. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Tina and I have always said that's our entire uh, parenting philosophy right there. <laughs> we're like, we're going to cling to that one. We're going to love God. We're going to try and pass on the faith, but we're going to love our kids like crazy because we're hoping that love covers over a multitude, of, uh, covers over a bunch of our shortcomings, that his love will be enough right? That's, that's, that's what we want. John 13, 34, this is great too. He says, Jesus talking, right? He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everybody's going to know that you're my disciple if you love one another. I think part of even us passing on our faith to those around us, there's power when they, when they look at you and they see the love of God. Again, imperfectly, but they see his love in you more and more and more. It's transformational. People look at that. Even people outside the faith, even skeptics look at that and say, huh, there's something different. There's something different there. Like, I've never seen, I've never felt love like that. Man, the way that impacts families and churches and communities. Unprecedented. Nothing like it. Let me share. I got this great story, and it kind of is half of uh, point two and half of my next point, but I'm going to read it anyway. It's a great lead-in. I just think this is, this is transformational stuff. It's, the image of this is awesome. It goes like this. In, in November 91, Jerry Jenkins wrote a bizarre but true story about a man awakened in the middle of the night by a phone call. He picks up the phone. He's groggy. He's like, you know, who am I? Who is this? That kind, of, that kind of phone call. And the girl on the other end of the phone is weeping. And she says, Daddy, I'm pregnant. 
And of course, as you can imagine, he's stunned beyond belief. His heart drops and they talk for a while. He ends up saying, boy, I, I forgive you. He prays with you. He prays with her, all that kind of stuff. And the next day, this man and his wife wrote two letters of counsel and love and sent them off in the mail to their daughter. And these are a few of the excerpts from these letters. Crazy cool. Listen to, listen to this again. Think legacy of a godly mom, legacy of a godly dad. Listen to these words. They said, part of me seemed to die last night. Not because of what it means for me as much as what it means for you. You were free to make all kinds of choices and now you're, you're, you're much more limited and none of these options are to your liking. But God will see you and us through. He says, though I, they say, though I weep inside, I can't condemn you because I sin too. Your transgressions here, no worse than mine, it's just different. Even, in my, even if my heart did not shout out that I, to, uh, of the, to love you and defend you and protect you as it does, the New Testament tells me I can't uh, take forgiveness myself and withhold it from others. We think of sin as acts, but sin is a package an attitude that expresses itself in different ways and to different degrees. But it all comes from the same sin package that you inherited from us. Christ is the only difference. Christ is the only one that sets us free. God forgives this sin as well as others, really forgives and cleanses. I will not reproach you or your boyfriend. I won't even dare to look down uh, at you in my innermost heart. But it's not because it's not an issue that doesn't matter. The responsibility is, is yours and his, uh, no less than yours. This is not an ideal basis for marriage. You want a husband to, that takes you by choice, but if you face the issue and God so leads, he could build a solid marriage for you. And we stand ready to do whatever we can to help. We're praying much. We love you more than I can say and respect you too, as always. Another segment says this, Saturday I was very downcast I tried to sing as I worked outside, and then increasingly, I sensed a calm, a loving face that I knew it was Jesus. It was no vision. I didn't see details, but it was a strong reminder that he is with us, and he is waiting for us to remember. He loves us, and he'll help us through, especially you. It's great to know that Jesus is walking with you. Well, we can't say that God causes failures. He does permit them, and, and, and I think it's clear that he uses them to build our character and he uses them to build beauty that we'd never have without them. Remember God's love is in even this, maybe especially in this. We're glad that in a measure at least we can help the daughter we love so much. This is a day of testing, but hold our ground we must. God will give us victory. It's wonderful. We're looking forward to you being at home with us, love mom and dad. Isn't that amazing? Amazing letters. Three days later, this couple received another. Three three days later, this couple received another phone call. The daughter was shocked by the notes. It wasn't her that had called. <laughs> Apparently, some other girl uh, in her frantic state had dialed a wrong number. But this is what the daughter says. She says, "These letters are my treasure." The daughter said later, "Real love letters written by a godly mother and a godly father who never imagined that they'd have to write them to their daughter." Isn't that crazy? Friends, that kind of unconditional love, that kind of unconditional grace passed down from godly moms and dads, it sets kids free, right? It brings the gospel to bear in their lives. It helps heal the wounds that we receive on a day-to-day -day basis, and it brings stability and security to our lives. 
That kind of love changes hearts, changes eternities. That kind of love shows kids the way, uh, the way Jesus loves them too. Not just a religion, but a relationship. That's the power and the love of God being played out in a very real way. It takes us to the third thing that I'm just going to mention briefly is the legacy of a godly mom, the legacy of a godly dad, and just godly Christ followers is they create gospel-slash-grace-filled relationships, places where the gospel and where God's grace are just on tap and overflowing all around us. If I had to summarize Christianity in one word, the word would be grace, right? It's all over every page of the Bible that you read. It's crazy. And grace literally means this. It means literally undeserved favor. It means getting God's uh, forgiveness, getting God's love at no cost and not in irrespective of anything we could possibly do. Grace is receiving love instead of punishment when you screw up. Grace is uh, slapping somebody in the face and then them giving you a winning lottery ticket. Grace is committing treason against God and him sending his one and only son to die in your place so you don't, you don't have to. It's grace. It's the way God treats us. God's grace is what has changed my whole life. It's what's changed many of our whole lives, knowing that he loves us, knowing that he forgives us even though we didn't deserve it. He did it still. Grace is a central message of Christianity, and it's meant to be the central message of our lives. And can I just say, if ever there was a group of people that desperately needed to hang, grab onto grace and to understand it and apply it in their own lives, if ever there was a group, I have to say it's probably moms. I have... Uh, it's so common in our home, we talk about it as mom guilt. <laughs> like It's just a regular thing where, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing here. I'm stereotyping, so forgive me. But man, so often women carry around this, this load of shame and guilt and whatever, like I'm not enough or I've screwed this up or I've done this or I've done that. And can I just say, before we talk about passing it on, I just want you to hear hear this today, that according to Christ, right, there's grace for you. He says that his power is made perfect in your weakness. His grace is enough to overcome any weakness, to overcome any short-sightedness, whatever else. He loves you with a love that is unconditional. He's forgiven you taking your sins and removing them, taking your shortcomings and remove them as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says. So far as he removed those from you. He sees you, and this might be a jaw dropper, but he sees you as perfect before, I mean, in his eyes. Because of Christ, if you're in Christ, he has taken your sins away and he sees you with that same lens that he views Christ you are made clean. You are made new. And I have to say, I, I don't know that I'm communicating this well, but hopefully you, you're hearing this. Man, if you could just step into that freedom today and put down the shame and the guilt and the what ifs and all the stuff you have to do and all the endless laundry list of things that are going on in your life and just soak in that, I think it, it would transform your life. It really would just soak in his presence, soak in his love, receive that grace, that undeserved forgiveness, that undeserved love. It's what he wants for all of us. 
there's tons of places, obviously, uh, that we could talk about this. Obviously, we, we want to receive it, and then we're called to live that out. Tons of places we could look at this. Ephesians 4. Ephesians is a book. The whole thing is about relationships. <laughs> if you read through Ephesians, it's one of those places uh, that, in fact, in the in, entire book uh, of Ephesians, every time you see the word you, it's plural, except there's two places that quotes the Old Testament. But, but it, every time you see the word you, it's plural. It's because it's a book about relationships. It's about we and not me. And so it's, it's about how to do family relationships, how to do church relationships, how to everything. It's all in there. But this is crazy. So this is what he's writing about relationships. This is what God is saying to us. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How did he forgive us? In Christ. How, how did he forgive us? What did, how did Christ forgive us? Unconditionally. Unconditionally. What else? Yeah. By dying, somebody said. What's that? Completely, absolutely anything else? Buzz, buzz. That was the Lord texting in his answer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? That's, but he, he, is, he has done it graciously, like fully, completely. He has forgiven us again and again and again. He has poured out his grace on us again. And he says, man, and God says, man, I want you to forgive others. I want you to extend grace, undeserved love and forgiveness to others the same way that I have forgiven you, the same way I've poured out my grace on you. I remember hearing a story one time, uh, a friend of mine in college that uh, grew up in a Christian home and uh, just had a awesome set of parents and he used to talk about discipline in their home and he, he said man it was a it was a crazy ride right I mean like he'd he'd screw up he, the kid the kid was a little rebellious <laughs> uh, really good-hearted but kind of mischievous and wanted to push the boundaries all the time too and so he'd get in trouble quite a bit and he talks about his mom and dad taking him upstairs uh, you know he'd sit up there for a while they'd come up they would reassure uh, him of his of, of their love for him of God's love for him they talk about what happened what what, you know, the, the issue, whatever, needed to be corrected. They'd pray together. And he, he used to say, the prayer was the worst part, man. <laughs> then you got the Holy Spirit trying to convict you. He's like, that was, that was brutal. But we're, we, they'd pray together, and then they'd talk about the punishment, what it was going to be. And, and they were consistent. Of course, there was, there was training that was happening in that kind of context. And he said, but he said, the crazy thing is every once in a while, not enough that you could guess it or see it coming, every once in a while, he's like, my, my mom or my dad, would after, after they'd pray and they'd talk about what I deserved, they'd give me grace. And he's like, and, and they would just kind of say, you know what? The Bible talks about grace again and again and again. And uh, it's undeserved Right, and, and it's forgiveness, and it's it's freedom from our past, and it's all this kind of stuff, and love, and they're they're like, I'm, you know, this is what you deserve for as the consequences for your actions. But today, just to give you a little glimpse of that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna pour out mercy and grace on you, and I'm not gonna do it because you deserve it. I'm gonna do it because I love you, because I'm crazy about you. And I just thought that was so cool. That was, I uh, never, never kind of gone away from me just because I'm like, what kind of picture does that paint for kids? I love that. I shared this story one time, maybe 10 years ago at our church in Wisconsin, and I had a kid come up to me afterwards. That was the only part he heard of the message. He's like, man, I love that part about not getting what you deserve. He's like, man, you should talk to my parents a little bit more. I mean, no, right? I mean, we're called to correct. We're called to train. We're called to discipline. We're called to teach. We're called, right? I mean, there's, but I love that, that kind of imagery of just 
every once in a while just, just to give them a taste to grow up so our kids are growing up saying, man, it, I don't know, I love the imagery. Let me step back and just say this. We're not trying to train, we're not trying to raise up rule followers. I mean, that's, a, that's an important part of the step. Of course, we want them to be able to obey the law. and that kind of, But primarily, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to raise up Christ followers, people that walk with God, that are empowered and filled in his spirit and know how to follow and walk with him. And part of, part of our job as parents, part of what we are called to do is to pass on that faith, to pass on that love to them, to pass on that grace to them and teach them to live with and in him. You see what I'm saying? And part of that is by, by creating an environment of grace. Well, I should definitely wrap up because I've been chatty and storytelling. But uh, a couple application steps. I just want you to be thinking about what does is, what is the Lord have for you today? And for, for some of you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick on moms in a good way, but for some of you that are moms, in all honesty, uh, I mean, yes, we can talk about things that you need to do, but in all honesty, you might be in a place where you're so depleted, where your schedule is so filled, where you're so driven to clean the house and do all these, all make sure everybody else is taken care of. In all honesty, you might be at a, pl- a place where your action step, what God is speaking to you today is to, to say, would you stop for a minute and would you, would you withdraw and would you receive my love and my grace for you? Would you just soak in it? Would you bask in it? And that's not just for moms. A lot of us live our lives at this kind of speed and this kind of pace that before we can talk about what we can give to anybody else, we need to receive ourselves. And so for you, maybe an application, maybe something you need to do this week is to find a little bit of time, carve it out, prioritize it, right? We've, got, we've all got the same amount of hours in a week. It's a matter of what we do with it. So prioritize it to say, you know, I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to take my Bible. I'm going to go out in the backyard. I don't care where. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to spend a little bit of time just connecting with God, maybe reading and being reminded of his love and grace. Spend a little bit of time praying and then just open up your hands and your heart and just say, Jesus, would you just come and fill me? Would you come and wash over me? Would you come and make me new and just replenish me so that I can, I can live out the calling that you've given to me? For some of us, we need to receive before we can give. For others of us, maybe the Lord is speaking and saying, you know what, the, the, the truth be told, maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know how to say this, but maybe you're a little bit more of the disciplinarian in your family and you, you run a tight ship and you want, right, all this kind of, you want your kids behaving exactly right, do all this kind of thing. And maybe the Lord's kind of softening you and just saying, you know what, this week, maybe just look for a little opportunity to introduce grace into the conversation. Again, not letting the kids just run everywhere and do everything. Well, that's not what I'm saying. But like to look for some specific and strategic intentional opportunities to say, you know what, this is more about G- you and Jesus. This is about learning to walk in and live in his grace and then coming back in step with him and following and obeying as well. But maybe, that's, maybe there's a little softening that God's doing in you saying, would you, would you create that environment of grace in your relationships? in those around you. And maybe for some of us as well, maybe God's saying, you know what? 
you're doing a great job in, in so many of these things. I mean, you know, you're, you're a great mom. You're a great dad. You're a great friend. You're a great whatever. You're shining Jesus. You're doing some of this stuff. But maybe he's saying, maybe it's time to be a little bit more intentional with passing on the faith, with maybe passing on God's word or making that central in your home, in your life, in your relationships. Maybe, to God, maybe today God's saying, would you take a step with that this week? Maybe, it's, maybe you need to get a whiteboard and write the word in your home. Maybe you need to just even start, start making sure that you're doing that on the front end, right? That you're oh, cracking open his book, that, that you're modeling this where you're reading and obeying and following and living in God's grace and spirit and fullness. Whatever it is, friends, man, I want, that's what I want for us. I don't know about you, but that's what I want for me. I want us to be people that live in and live with God's love and grace and presence and power and then be people that pass that on to those around us and leave behind a legacy that God uses for his glory and for his kingdom. Let's close in prayer. God, that's, that's our cry this morning. Would you, uh, would you do that in us, God? First and foremost, would you fill us with your love? Would you wash us and make us new by your spirit? Would you pour out your grace? Would you help us to know your unconditional love? Teach us to recognize and, and live in your presence. And as we do, God, would you, would you teach us how to be intentional about passing on the faith to those around us, how to be creating environments of your unconditional love, of your amazing grace. And as we do, God, would you, we pray that you would bear much fruit, that your kingdom would come, that the world would know that we are your disciples. And would you impact generations to come for your kingdom. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray.